sub-zero temperatures across the province. And they just, they aren't prepared to be outside. The dangerous cold putting a serious strain on homeless shelters. There's a school right there, I have grandchildren, so that, that really concerns me, just the innocent victims. Police answer the questions of concerned residents after a string of gun violence in Coquitlam. We cannot keep going like this. Somebody is gonna, you know, die because of it. A northern BC community fearing the worst as their ER closes during the cold snap. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and thank you for joining us. The extreme cold is packing a punch right across the province. An Arctic outflow warning is in effect for the south coast through tomorrow afternoon, bringing wind chill values as low as minus 30 in the Fraser Valley. As Alyssa Tebow reports, the cold is putting added stress on those who help people who are struggling. Another day of bitterly cold temperatures in Metro Vancouver, making life on the street even harder than before. At the Surrey Urban Mission Society, every bed is spoken for. It's definitely, uh, it's definitely been crazy. Um, we are at 100% capacity in all our shelters. Here, anyone who needs help can get food, toiletries, clothing, a shower. And with so much demand, they're trying not to turn people away. What we try to do, especially with the emergency weather, is we don't turn them away. When we get to capacity, we'll then start phoning other shelters. Outside, volunteers with a local Gurdwara offer free food to anyone who's hungry. Uh, we usually serve between uh, 100 plus up to about 150 people. Yeah, every Saturday when we come here. Curry, rice, naan, a warm meal to help when it's cold. Today has been busy. We thought it's not going to be that many people, but today it was very busy. Much of the food and clothing supplied inside the shelter is the result of donations. And after an appearance by O'Halloran on Global News Morning, clothing and blankets started being dropped off. This is just from today. After the newscast I did this morning, um, this stuff started to flood in. Jackets and sleeping bags, he says, are always welcome. They're also in need of clothing for women. 25% of our 215 beds are, are women. So we can use, you know, stuff that women can use. And this deep freeze is not over. It's getting down to minus 10 overnight here in Surrey, feeling like minus 16 with that wind chill. It's not forecast to get above zero until Monday. Alyssa Thibault, Global News. The intense cold is affecting people at Royal Inland Hospital in Kamloops. An extreme cold warning is in effect until tomorrow in the central interior, and that's affecting people in the emergency room at the city's principal health facility. The entire emergency department is being renovated, and that's allowing cold air into the facility. Patients have been moved, and Interior Health says maintenance personnel are trying to fix the problem, but they say there's no quick solution. It's, you know, it definitely was colder. We, our facility maintenance team came in right away to take a look at it. Uh, we've been able to temporarily put some uh, barriers up. As I said, it is a temporary waiting room. So we've moved all the patients and visitors over to the main waiting area, which is farther away from the cold air. We're, you know, working on all the heating and making sure it's up and running. And our staff are checking on the patients regularly. We're, you know, offering blankets if they're cold and making sure they're being pulled into the emergency room as quickly as possible. Because that's the only area that's really struggling is that main entrance right now. 
This afternoon, crews said they made progress restoring heat and officials stress people should still come to the hospital in an emergency. People in Chetwind in northeastern BC are feeling particularly vulnerable during this cold snap with temperatures in the minus 30s. The local hospital is closed until 7 a.m. tomorrow and again closing overnight on Sunday and Monday due to a staff shortage. Anyone who needs emergency care needs to call 911 or drive to nearby facilities. The closest is an hour east in Dawson Creek. That's exactly what one family had to do this summer during a similar overnight closure when a family member fell ill and the Chetwind ER was closed. It is so scary. Like um, when my mom was, you know, she was trying to breathe, but also trying to stay calm. I just kept thinking like, oh my God, all the, I, honestly, I was thinking about her, but I was also thinking of other people. Like they don't know how scary that is um, to, you know, have to see your mom or your loved one struggling and there is no one to help you. You were on your own. Northern Health says it's working to attract and retain health professionals, but that the region is not unique in facing staffing challenges. With more on these freezing conditions, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Shao. Yvonne. Uh, Travis, another day of extreme cold right across the board. We're continuing to track it, but we are going to see it moderating, and I'll have that in just a moment. But a quick glance, these are unofficial record lows that fall through, fell through the day today. Sparward, minus 40.3. The old record back in 2005 was minus 33. Kamloops, minus 28. Summerland, minus 26.2. And even areas near Whistler, a uh, record of minus 22.4. The old record was set back in 2017. We still have the extreme cold and the strong outflow winds. We're seeing that along the coast, minus 20 to minus 30. For us, Metro Vancouver, minus 20, but extending into the Fraser Valley, feeling like minus 30. It's the northeastern corners of the province that could get as cold as minus 50 with the wind chill and areas into the central and southeastern corners of the province into the minus 40s. Now, we are going to see this temperatures gradually start to moderate. A temperature trend, for example, in Abbotsford, we're going to see it into early next week. Many areas along the coast just slightly above the freezing mark. But with it along the coast on our Tuesday, we do have the potential for snow. I'll have the timeline and what we can anticipate so we can plan ahead for another snow day along the south coast coming up very shortly. Travis. Okay, thanks, Yvonne. Some frightening moments at Calmore Regional Park in West Kelowna this afternoon when a woman, a man and a dog all went through the ice on Okanagan Lake. Emergency crews got the call just before 3 p.m. A witness says he saw a woman walking a dog when the dog ran onto the ice and broke through. He says the woman went in after the dog and also fell through. A man on shore hurried to help but also ended up in the water. The witness says he found a pole and slid out to the hole. The man, woman and dog all got out and were helped back to shore. This was the result of uh, two individuals going in after a dog and we do see this a lot. Uh, dogs generally they self-rescue. Um, it's not too often that they get trapped in the ice and people need to remember that the ice is quite dangerous and dogs are a lot lighter than we are. When the dog goes out there and walks on it we tend to fall through. So I would advise, please in the future, don't go out on the ice over after your dog. Please call us. We do rescue dogs as well. Obviously, um, it's just a huge safety concern to get out there and do that. Firefighters got the pair into a fire engine to warm up before the BC Ambulance Service arrived to, to take over their care. The extreme cold weather is affecting our neighbours to the east. Alberta's energy regulator issued a grid alert this afternoon. Demand has skyrocketed because of the cold 
And since the cold stretches so far, Alberta can't easily import power from here or anywhere else. Albertans are being told to turn unused lights off and minimize the use of space heaters and to use microwaves instead of stoves to help prevent rolling outages this evening. Frigid temperatures brought trolley wires down in Vancouver this morning. This was the scene on Davie Street near Broughton in downtown Vancouver. The wires are suspected to have come down at some point overnight. Crews had a section of road blocked off and a diversion was in place. TransLink says the majority of its transit system is operating as normal with very minor delays and cancellations for buses. Well, it's cold enough outside for one of those rare Vancouver pastimes, outdoor skating. This is Michael Iani skating on Trout Lake today while his wife stood on the shore and captured the moment. Iani says he was careful and stayed close to shore. Trout Lake occasionally freezes over during the deepest cold snaps, though the Vancouver Park Board does not recommend skating on ponds or lakes at this time. Ice also making a rare appearance on the west coast of Vancouver Island. Icicles hang off the rocks at Sandcut Falls near Jordan River, about an hour's drive west of Victoria. It's a popular place for hiking, particularly in the summer, and rarely gets cold enough for ice to form. With the extreme cold still lingering around the interior, weather warnings remain in place for most mountain passes. As Victoria Famia reports, the frigid temperatures are here to stay for at least the next few days, and that's keeping local towing companies busy. A slow day on the Okanagan Connector as the Arctic air settles over BC interior highways. It's really just the extreme cold temperatures, um, and this is right across many parts of the province. Um, so, so no snow um, on the highway passes, um, but, um, but it is extremely cold. Extreme cold weather warnings are in effect for interior highways, including the Coquihalla and Okanagan Connector, as temperatures are between minus 35 and minus 45 with the wind chill. And while they are expected to warm up by Sunday, it won't be by much. Some moderation in temperatures is expected um, through tomorrow by a, maybe a, a couple of degrees and then continuing um, a very slight step-by-step -step tick up in temperatures as we move into Monday and uh, the first half of the work week. The extreme cold keeping one local towing company busy with an increase in calls for service. We're slammed. Um, all my drivers have been kind of working overtime here and yeah, our, you know, we're trying to attend as many action scenes as we possibly can to get to quickly and, you know, resolve everything. But it is, you know, it's quite chaotic with every all the calls here. In the last 24 hours, environmental towing responded to about 8 to 10 accidents in its jurisdiction. But it's the other types of calls keeping the company even busier. In the past two days, we probably exceeded 100 boosts and probably 40 unlocks from people warming up their cars and locking in. Um, we, we actually attended to a vehicle with a child locked in it this morning, which is... You know, we try to, <laughs> we got to it quite quickly. Car batteries are more at risk of draining in the freezing weather, which could leave you stranded. So it's best to pack the essentials. In case you get stuck in the winter, obviously uh, some extra food, some extra water, some warm clothes. Uh, a couple candles are always nice just to, in case the vehicle has to shut down for any reason, you can light a candle and a candle is going to keep the interior of the vehicle nice and warm. Um, that's kind of the basics that you're going to want to be looking for. Definitely a first aid kit. Throw that in there. And don't forget a full tank of gas. Victoria Famia, Global News.
RCMP in Coquitlam are trying to soothe jangled nerves after three shootings in three days last week. Residents who chose to live in the community for its quiet lifestyle were shocked when gunfire disturbed the peace. And now, as Julia Foy reports, residents want to take their neighborhoods back. When Dan and Lori Peacock moved to Coquitlam last summer, they never expected to be caught up in a gang conflict. We moved there in August, and lo and behold, since that time, there's been three major shootings and, and upset in this area. First, there was the shooting death of Constable Rick O'Brien in September. Then this month, three shootings happened near the same area of Coquitlam Central. The most recent on January 6th was a homicide. It was upsetting because my son lives just right on the very corner where the last guy was killed and they were out walking just minutes before. The Peacocks came to a community meeting organized by the Coquitlam RCMP looking for reassurance. A lot of questions about, am I safe? Am I safe to leave my apartment? Am I safe to leave my home? Am I safe to walk around the, the, the Coquitlam Central area? Carr says dozens of residents came to the meeting to have face-to-face -face conversations with police from several investigative agencies. I'm getting them to focus on the fact that these are targeted shootings. We're taking them very, very seriously. We've increased our police presence, particularly in the Coquitlam Central area. BC Solicitor General and Area MLA Mike Farnworth says it's all hands on deck. What's important, I think, is that people know police are on this. Uh, they've got the tools that they need. They will catch these individuals. And that, uh, and that uh, events like this are, are, are a place for, for the police to be able to, to give answers and, and reassurance to the public. The Integrated Homicide Investigation Team wants the public to know they are there for support. This is a, a quiet neighborhood. This is an area where people go for walks with their children and with their dogs. Uh, and there was a shooting at 4 p.m. Uh, it's a really scary incident and, a, and obviously it's really shook in a community. All agencies are encouraging the public to reach out if they have any information about the recent shootings. Yeah, absolutely. He said, don't be afraid to call because it may not mean much to you, but it means a lot to the police when they're gathering everything. It gives them a, a clue what's going on. Julia Foy, Global News. Fire crews in Maple Ridge responded to calls for a structure fire late this morning. Heavy black smoke could be seen billowing from the building near 240th Street and Dudney Trunk Road. When crews arrived, they found a travel trailer with multiple propane tanks on fire behind the structure. Crews were able to contain the blaze and no one was injured. So our crews uh, immediately uh, withdrew to a safer location and we're just applying a heavy uh, water application uh, to uh, not have the fire extend, but to make sure our crews uh, stayed safe. So they did a great job uh, assessing the, the danger immediately and, and not having the fire spread. Still to come, workers wanted the mining operation now digging deep for new recruits. And some great news to share in the case of a stolen van, custom made for a young woman with special needs. When it was announced the Myra Falls mine would close just before Christmas, 300 lives were thrown into turmoil. But for one BC company, the hardship caused by one mine's closure is an opportunity to recruit skilled workers. Paul Johnson has the story. Opportunity landed in Campbell River this week, right on the heels of a stunning setback. Well, I'm just learning to see where I can go from here because I thought I kind of had a job for the rest of my life. Just weeks before Christmas, 
The owner of the Myra Falls mine near Campbell River announced they were bankrupt and operations would shut down immediately. 300 people were suddenly in the hunt for a new job. There's a lot of places looking, it's just to try and get in, right? And there's new deposits that are being discovered every year. Uh, some of the, the opportunity is in BC's far northwest corner, in the minerally rich Golden Triangle, where Ascot Resources is restarting an old gold mine. We're looking for about 50, 50 odd employees right now extra to, to finish our, our ranks and to actually get ourselves ready for operations. Digging away over here. So the folks Ascot already had a few employees living in the Campbell River area. So news of the Myra Falls situation meant a job fair here was a nice fit. It's really encouraging. Uh, we have a lot of skilled workers here in Campbell River and, you know, uh, hearing about the, the significant layoffs that were happening at Myra, uh, we wanted to act as quickly as possible to help connect people to uh, additional opportunities. There really is a fantastic uh, depth of, uh, of experience and knowledge here in the area. Um, so we're hopefully, hopefully we can get a few, few people to come on board, join the story. And the North Island right now is a good place for a mine that's looking to hire. You think you've got the skills here for today? I'm hoping so. <laughs> Been doing it for 18 years. Paul Johnson, Global News. A reminder to drivers that closures are in place this weekend for a part of Highway 99 in Delta. The southbound lanes are closed from just before the Highway 17A overpass until the Matthews interchange. Work is being done to fix an overpass that was hit by a truck last summer. Drivers are being routed through Ladner to Ladner Trunk Road where you can re-access the highway. It'll reopen Sunday at 5 p.m. Highway 17A will also be fully closed southbound each night from 7 p.m. to 5 a.m. Detours will be in place, including for travelers heading to the Tawasson Ferry Terminal. Now to a happy ending to a story we first brought you yesterday. An adapted wheelchair van has been returned to its rightful owner after being stolen from their home. Christinia Walker says she left her specialized van running for 30 seconds while she went inside to grab her purse on Thursday. When she returned outside, she saw a person in the driver's seat. She attempted to stop them, but was unsuccessful. After the story aired on Friday's Global News Hour, a viewer recognized the SFU sticker on the back of the van and reported it to police. The van was located last night at the Port Coquitlam Legion in good condition. The person who called it in, I just, I really appreciate it. Um, it seems like a small thing to people that don't have a wheelchair van, but if you have one, you know how valuable it is, and I really appreciate it. Thank you from the bottom of our hearts. The B.C. Court of Appeal has upheld the murder conviction of a former B.C. lion in the death of his girlfriend. Joshua Bowden was found guilty of second-degree murder in 2021 in the death of 33-year-old Kimberly Hallgarth. Hallgarth was killed in 2009 in her Burnaby home. Bowden appealed the conviction, citing issues with the testimony of a former girlfriend who was present at the time of the murder. The court dismissed the argument. He was sentenced to life in prison with no chance of parole for 14 years. Still ahead, potential trust issues on the horizon as the most recent mid-flight emergency on a MAX 9 plane shaken public confidence in Boeing. And a sea of herring at the Fisherman's Wharf in Steveston today. Thousands of bags of fish being sold with all proceeds going to a worthy cause. In Colombia, more than 30 people were killed after a mudslide swept onto a busy highway on Friday. 
Video captured the terrifying moment when part of a mountain gave way, submerging multiple cars and people who tried to run away. More than 30 others were also injured. Search efforts in the aftermath continue as an unknown number of people remain missing. Questions are being raised over whether Boeing can keep the public's trust following the Alaska Airlines incident. As Sean Prevel reports, analysts say the incident adds to the issues the company has faced in recent years. More fallout for Boeing as the U.S. Federal Aviation Administration says it will increase oversight and audit production of its 737 MAX 9 jets. It's the latest impact to hit the company after the Alaska Airlines incident last week. As the MAX 9s remain grounded in the U.S., travel industry analyst Henry Hardevel says it is not the first incident prompting concerns. The 737 MAX has a very checkered history and really has dam uh, damaged Boeing's reputation. Boeing's MAX 8s were grounded after two deadly crashes in 2018 and 2019. The reputational harm came from investigations finding the company had concealed details about specific software that activated in both crashes. After the incidents, both Boeing and the FAA adjusted their approaches to safety and certification. A shift from years ago when the FAA waited months after the 2018 incident until the second crash to take action. Aviation management professor John Graddock says the swift response from the FAA shows a change. The regulators are saying we will err on the side of being extremely cautious. But even amid investigations, it may not be enough reassurance for the public or the airlines. As Boeing knows if people don't trust its airplanes, Airlines are less likely to buy them, and travelers will do what they can to avoid them. From layoffs during the COVID-19 pandemic that sent expertise out the door to its reliance on the 737 line, Graddock says Boeing needs to return to the drawing board. I think the time has come for Boeing to really rethink its design uh, and, its, and its philosophy on commercial aviation. Hardevel cautions what the inspections into the MAX 9s find could have further impact on the company. If this is found to be truly systemic, that's troubling. Sean Prevel, Global News. In health news tonight, the freezing cold didn't stop people from supporting a good cause in Richmond. Fishermen helping kids with cancer held their annual herring sale in Steveston, and our community reporter Safia Pirani was there to catch the action of this popular charity event. Year after year, it seems to get bigger and bigger, and there's cars lined up down the road every year. Despite freezing conditions, community spirit filled the air on Saturday at the 13th annual herring sale in Steveston. People come and they get 25 pounds of herring for $20, and 100% of the proceeds go to uh, BC Children's Hospital helping kids fight cancer. The fundraiser began in 2011 after a fellow commercial fisherman's daughter, Nicole Eidsvik, passed away at the age of 17 from the illness and has since raised more than $1 million. Nicole's sister Andrea says the outpour of support is huge. That's great. Um, we didn't really expect it. So we're very happy to see everyone here today and we appreciate it. These guys are amazing. Every, like, since 2011, they've been raising money for our program. And they're out here in the freezing cold. And I can't say enough about them. Um, we're so lucky to have their support. Now, gathering the fish takes work. But when the cause is this important, organizers say it's worth it. 
The Seeners, there's four fishing boats that were out there uh, for, for a few days in the freezing cold. Um, all of that is fully volunteer based, all the boat fuel, skipper, crew, all of that. And then of, of course here there's, I want to say a hundred volunteers. And if you're wondering, herring really is a hot purchase. The, our record today so far of bagging herring into vehicles has been 20. Wow. So 20 bags of 20 pound herring. That's a lot of, that's a lot of fish. <laughs> Safia Parani, Global News. Still to come, BC's Filipino community marking a milestone. Why advocates for a first ever Filipino cultural center in Metro Vancouver say they're one step closer to making it a reality. The city of Surrey is advising residents not to make missed organic collection reports. This comes after sub-zero temperatures have frozen waste in organic bins, preventing collection. The city says collection will continue as scheduled in the coming week. Okay, let's bring in meteorologist Yvonne Schall. Now, frozen waste, Yvonne, I imagine all that organic waste is going to stay frozen a little longer? Yeah, a little longer. The only good thing is, I guess it doesn't smell. So that's the <laughs> yeah, that's a silver lining there. But uh, temperature's still very chilly this evening. Bundle up. We've got the risk of frostbite for many areas across the province with this cold Arctic air and strong outflow winds. We're currently at minus 7 with the windshields feeling like minus 13. A few other spots with current temperatures in the interior, minus 29 for Kamloops, the Extreme cold for the northeastern corners of the piece. Fort St. John at minus 42 in areas inland, even along the northern half of the province, with terrace and a current wind chill at minus 30. So bundle up. Here's what we're tracking once again with the extreme cold for the northeastern corners. That wind chill could get down to as cold as minus 50 into the central interior, minus 45, and the southeastern corners, minus 40. Along the coast for us, so Metro Vancouver, minus 20 overnight tonight. It'll still be very chilly, extending into the freezing. Valley closer to minus 30 and then areas along the north and central coast between minus 20 to minus 30. Now here's what we're tracking though. We've got a bit of a reprieve. Temperatures will actually start to moderate Monday onwards as we get in towards the work week. We are going to see the potential though once again for snow so be prepared. We're looking ahead towards Tuesday. It'll start off as flurries but it'll be cold enough. It'll likely stay as snow throughout the day and then as we get in towards the evening we'll see a wave of snow. That'll be for Tuesday night and then taking us in towards the early morning hours on Wednesday. A bit of a transition with that temperature potentially getting above the freezing mark. But a heads up, plan ahead will be on Tuesday that we're seeing the potential for some snow for the lower mainland in Metro Vancouver and the temperature trend as we get in midweek onwards. The latter half of the work week likely leading in towards next weekend. We'll start to see those temperatures bump up and we'll see a transition back over to rain. Very chilly right across the board. The big weather story that will continue to follow, but it'll moderate as we get in towards our Monday onwards. It's the northeast Eastern corners of the province, those wind chills feeling into the minus 40s and 50s overnight tonight. Southern half of the province, if you're traveling along the mountain passes, it's dry along those routes, but we still have very windy conditions and the cold a big concern, so be prepared. Most areas along the island will benefit with some sunshine tomorrow, a very slight chance along the eastern regions and along the Sunshine Coast that we could see an isolated flurry just for the morning hours. Most areas across the lower mainland, it'll be the cold temperatures tomorrow morning, minus 18. By the afternoon, the wind chill minus 9. Plenty of sunshine on Monday, and then we're looking ahead towards Tuesday. That's where we could see the potential for some snow and then changing back over to rain by our Thursday. Travis? Okay, thanks, Yvonne. BC's Filipino community is getting one step closer to building their first-ever cultural center in Metro Vancouver. The project is being led by not-for-profit organization Mabuhai House. 
who along with 80 different organizations are committed to seeing the project through to completion. Mabuhai House met Saturday to reaffirm their goal of working together to make their dream of a cultural center happen. Let us continue to work hand in hand, united in our efforts to make a lasting impact on our community. Together, we can build a stronger foundation for the Filipino Cultural Center. It was announced in April last year that the province provided $250,000 to Mabuhai House to aid in planning and public engagement. Yeah, hopefully they can secure a little more money. It's going to take more than 250 grand to get a mm. cultural center I, built. I have a lot of Filipino friends, and I know they will have a big karaoke section in there. <laughs> they love the karaoke. Nice. And they're good. They're, they're good great. singers. They're such good singers. Yeah, you and know good the, food. <laughs> the grand opening of that cultural center is going to be a lot of fun we when that party. Happen. Yeah. yeah. Canucks having fun too? Yeah, they are. Even a, a snowstorm, a blizzard, a buff, you know, the kind of st storms Buffalo can only get uh, in the winter. Uh, the Canucks are actually stranded in Buffalo, can't get out of town, but they did before they got stranded uh, win their game. It wasn't the most exciting thing, one nothing, but uh, hey, you don't get anything extra for style points in the NHLs. We'll have that. We'll hear from uh, Sam Lafferty, who got the game's only goal. And there's also some NFL football highlights going on today, too. First two games of the wildcard playoffs, so that's coming up, too. Okay. Thanks, Barry. And still to come, it was a lifeline for countless businesses during the COVID-19 pandemic. The repayment deadline for federal SIBA loans is less than a week away. How some are using not-so-traditional methods to pay the money back. The deadline is now less than a week away for hundreds of thousands of small businesses to repay a federal loan. The Canadian Emergency Business Account, or SIBA, offered businesses tens of thousands to help with the impact of COVID shutdowns. But as the payback deadline looms, thousands are now turning to the world of independent online lenders for last-minute help. Abigail Beeman reports. We make them and offer them as rentals to the film industry. The Vancouver Art Department makes props for film and TV. Owner Grant Harrison says they were hit twice, first by COVID and then by writer and actor strikes. One day we had like 30 television shows that we were supplying uh, products to and the next day we had zero. He took the maximum $60,000 SIBA loan, a lifeline but he has to repay it by January 18th to keep the 20,000 forgivable portion, something that just wasn't possible until... Don't get stuck at the back of the line and miss out. Apply with Merchant Growth. Harrison saw an ad like this from Merchant Growth, one of the independent lenders offering to refinance SIBA loans. At first, he was skeptical, but his bank was taking weeks to get him an appointment. He got the merchant money in a couple of days. It actually blew our minds. And the people got back to us right away and, you know, didn't ask us to, didn't ask for my firstborn and didn't ask for a mortgage. Founder David Jen says they get SIBA inquiries from more than a thousand businesses every day. I think it's helpful for people to know that there is a non-bank lending industry out there that uses technology, makes it really convenient, saves you time, and, and says yes a lot more often. That doesn't mean they're bad, it just means that they're different. Non-bank lenders generally charge higher interest rates for merchant growth that ranges from the low teens to low twenties. Alternatively, a business will be charged a much lower 5% by the government with three years to pay. 
But by not meeting the deadline, they lose up to $20,000, which could make the high-interest loan cheaper and an interesting business venture, says this marketing professor. There's the snake oil salesman and there's the old idea of P.T. Barnum and that people are getting swindled. I think the key thing to remember here is that we have a lot of regulations in our financial sector that for the most part prevent that sort of thing going on. While the big five banks dominate, more non-traditional online lenders are popping up. Experts say due to improved technology and savings without bricks and mortar. Those low costs of entry are going to have somebody come along with, say, the killer app or the killer way that, uh, especially with young people, they're going to say, hey, I'm not committed to the big six the way that Gen Xers and older baby boomers might be connected to the idea of traditional banking. Everyone agrees it's important to do your homework to figure out the option that's best for each business. And a lesser known but key part of the fine print, businesses can get an extension until March 28th to repay their loan and keep the forgivable portion, but only if they apply to their original bank before January 18th. A business can also apply to a third party lender as long as they've applied with their original bank too. Abigail Beeman, Global News, Ottawa. After the break, Barry's here with sports. The Canucks were in action earlier today, facing off against the Buffalo Sabres. It's been an impressive road trip for the team. We'll see if they could keep up their winning ways. It's been a pretty successful road trip for the Canucks, wouldn't you say? I would say it's a little understatement, Travis. <laughs> Five and one. Is in the NHL, uh, you know, 500 is good, so that, that's like, what, 83% so far. I'm good at math. All right. Apparently, ugly wins count for the same amount of points as pretty ones in the NHL. Let's face it, the last four games through New York and Pittsburgh, the Canucks filled up the score sheet, scoring some fantastic goals and entertaining Canuck Nation with some beautiful hockey. Today in Buffalo, not so much, but the Canucks got great goaltending from Thatcher Demko and grinded out a one nothing win to run their win streak to five games, Travis, which is real good on the road. JT Miller, third in NHL scoring with 58 points. He's got eight in the four games since the lotto line was reunited. First period, not much going on. Thatcher Demko, though, made nine saves, scoreless after one. Second period, Kadunks uh, come out firing. Elias Pettersson to Brock Besser, who fires the wrister past Uka Pekka Lukanen. As the lotto line continues to produce, but they challenge for offside. Apparently, JT Miller was a millimeter ahead of the play, so no goal. But a minute later, good work down low by Nils Hoaglander. Zadorov with the point shot. Sam Lafferty bangs in the rebound for his 10th. Another productive bottom six forward. Lafferty took a late hit from Jordan Greenway and was cut. Did not like that, but no penalty called. This game got chippy quickly. JT Miller gets the elbow up on Rasmus Dahlin. They reviewed it for a major, but it ended up being just a minor. But Miller had to answer for that. Eric Johnson wants to settle the score. JT says, let's do it. They throw some pretty good bombs. Uh, JT gets the takedown, then checks those hands for damages. Sabres targeting Quinn Hughes with some big checks. No calls on any of these plays. But uh, this game had some bite. And you play like Hughes. He's got to expect that's coming. Late second, Sabre power play. Demko absolutely robs Casey Middlestadt. Demko just rock solid today, and he is a big reason the Canucks led 1-0 after two. 17 saves to that point. Canucks 27-0 in leading after two. Looking to add to the lead. Check out that nifty power move by Andre Kuzmenko. It stayed out of the net, but a 
Good play by the Russian, who has not scored in a long time. Late, late third, Sabres extra attacker. Canucks battling to get the puck out. Miller inadvertently tees it up for J.J. Paterka. But Demko's there. He made all the saves today, 25 in all for his fourth shutout. Fifth straight win for the Canucks, 1-0 the final. Uh, yeah, it wasn't pretty, but, um, you know, we stuck to our structure and pretty much everyone played hard and, um, you know, we locked it down. Denver played great and um, sometimes that's what it takes. Just think it shows we can win games different ways, which is uh, really important here down the stretch. Games are going to get harder and harder and, um, you know, some games might be high scoring. Some games are going to be like this. So um, it's good to know we can play any style. Now, just after the game in Buffalo, the Canucks found out they have added four more players to the All-Star weekend, February 1st to 3rd in Toronto. Quinn Hughes was named earlier. Now you can add J.T. Miller, Elias Pettersson, Brock Besser, and Thatcher Demko. The five players are the most of any team in the league. The Leafs have four. These players were all added by fan vote, so not surprising that uh, Canadian fans stepped up here. Now, there's a huge storm in Buffalo, and the Canucks have actually been forced to spend the night there. Ooh, a January night in Buffalo. They are scheduled to play in Columbus Monday afternoon. We're actually going to have to wait and see if they can fly out tomorrow or have to adjust the start time or date of that game versus the Blue Jackets. All right, NHL action tonight. Oilers in Montreal. Connor McDavid turning 27 today. Hasn't scored anything yet. This has been a low-scoring game. Oilers were down 1-0 until Leon Dreisaitl jams this one past Sam Montembeau. It's, uh, they actually got challenged, the Habs did, for a goalie interference, but it stood. So it's 1-1, and that's where they stand as they head to overtime in Montreal. NHL leading Winnipeg Jets, 16-1-2 in their last 19. Think about that, 16-1-2. They've also on a big win streak, eight games, home to the Flyers. Philly, though, has also been a surprise. John Tortorella has him going. Cam Atkinson, second of the game there. 2-0 Flyers, very late in the third period in this one, so it looks like the Jets' win streak is going to come to a close. Women's U18 World Hockey Championship from Switzerland, semifinal, Canada versus the Czechs. Canada 4-0, it outscored the opponents 35-1 in those four games. They were down 2-0 until North fans Chloe Primorano made it 2-1. It ended up 2-2 Canada, but the Czechs would get the game winner from Claudia Slablakova. They'd had an empty netter, and this is a massive upset in women's hockey. 4-2 the final as they beat Canada for the first time, so they'll play for gold against the U.S. Canada. Heartbroken will play for bronze against Finland tomorrow at 6 a.m. our time. As mentioned, Buffalo is a stormy rest, a mess right now with upwards of 30 inches of snow and howling winds projected over the next 24 hours. So the Bills-Steelers wildcard playoff game scheduled for tomorrow has now been moved to Monday at 1.30 p.m. our time. It's Martin Luther King Day in the U.S. on Monday, so it's a holiday, so it shouldn't affect all the fans who plan to watch that game in Buffalo. Two wildcard games today, 38-year-old Joe Flacco in the Browns at Houston, but it was 22-year-old old rookie Texans quarterback CJ Stroud who was the guy who made it happen today down 14-10 in the second but he finds Brevin Jordan who does the rest one great move kicked it into high gear 76 yard touchdown Texans lead 17-14 before the half it's Stroud with his third touchdown pass of the game what a nice delivery there to Dalton Schultz 236 yards passing in the three TDs both NFL rookie QB records in the playoffs 24-14 at the break third quarter Flacco picked off by Steven Nelson Nelson not only gets the pick takes it all the way back 82 yards they actually had another pick six later in the quarter and the Texans 
are moving on to round two. They roll past the Cleveland Browns 45-14. And it is freezing cold in Kansas City, although a pretty good crowd there. Chiefs and Dolphins minus 19 Celsius at kickoff. Wasn't going to keep Taylor Swift away, although she's under uh, behind the window. It's a little icy and steamy, but she's not going to be out in the direct cold. She's Taylor Swift. Chiefs haven't been great this year, but... Hey, it's the playoffs. Opening drive, Patrick Mahomes to Rasheed Rice. 11-yard touchdown, and the Chiefs lead at 16-7 at halftime. English Premiership, Pat Guardiola and Man City at Newcastle. Newcastle led 2-1 deep into the second half, but then Kevin De Bruyne playing his first league match of the season or since the season opener. It's been out five months with a hamstring. Great goal to tie it at two. And then in the 90th, one of those fantastic De Bruyne deliveries taken beautifully by Oscar Bob who gives Manchester City the dramatic 3-2 win. Man City now solo second, just two points behind Liverpool. <coughs> and tennis from Melbourne, yes. It's day one of the Australian Open. It's Sunday over there, first Grand Slam of the season. Leilani Fernandez of uh, Montreal, 32nd seed, taking on 17-year-old Sarah Balik of Czechia. First set tie break. Leila, strong in the clutch moments. Nice chip and charge, won the set 7-6. And then... The rips the winner here, and she's moving on to round two. 7-6-6-2 over Sarah Balik. Vancouver's Rebecca Marino plays her opening match Monday. Dennis Shapovalov goes tomorrow. Felix Ojealiasim on Monday, also in the men's singles. So good start for Canada down under in the tennis. Hopefully the Canucks can find something to do in Buffalo. Yeah, I was wondering if they, uh, I'm sure they made, you know, alternative arrangements with the hotels and stuff, but, uh, you know. I yeah. guess they'll be watching TV. It's not a day to go out. I guess there's a travel advisory. Yeah. Like the whole uh, uh, whole area cannot travel. That's how bad it is. I'm sure they've got a decent hotel. They're doing all right. They're probably watching the news hour on there you their go. iPads. Oh, yeah, on their iPads. I'm sure they're streaming <laughs> us. Yeah, yeah they, they okay. do. Yeah. Thanks, Barry. All right. After the break, finding art in the freezing cold. Stay with us. Artists are giving us a fresh look at the biting cold. This video was sent to us by photographer Yaziah Class. It's a hot water throw in Namaya Valley in the Caribou Chilcotin region, where yesterday's temperature reached a balmy minus 40. And when life hands you snow, I was taking in a closer Iowa, look. That's what I was doing. Oh yeah, can't see. Uh, barely, yeah. yeah, you couldn't. Really I was see really that. leaning in there, wasn't I? Yeah, yeah. it was important. Back, you had to back, see it. Back to you, yeah. Travis. We needed a little zoom in for, for yeah. you there. So when life hands you snow in Iowa, you make some art. Okay, this giant snow shark has been turning heads in Iowa City. Whole families are turning up to get their pictures taken with the giant sculpture. It's about five and a half feet tall and 20 feet long. Artist Carlos Maldonado and his family started sculpting after a major snowfall on Tuesday. When I saw a shark online, I figured I could do that, so I gave it a shot, and this is what we ended up with. So when I originally built it, I was maybe on this step, and it was all the way up to here, so uh, it's been drooping down over the last couple of days. Maldonado's children are already planning their next snow sculpture. The shark will be on display until the weather warms up. That's pretty good. Yeah. It is, the coloring. The coloring. Yeah, yeah, I want to know what they're gray. using for the amazing. coloring. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think trade secrets. Anytime <laughs> you see a shark in Iowa, whether it's real or frozen, yeah, you gotta worry about it. Probably gonna turn some heads. Yeah. Uh, Yvonne, quick look. Uh, very chilly overnight once again. Minus 20 to minus 30 with the wind chills. It'll be chilly. Starts to moderate, and then plan ahead on Tuesday. We're looking at the potential for another round of snow. Okay. Stay warm, everybody. Thanks for joining us. Have a great night.